Well, hey there. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to LifeHouse Online. I'm so glad that you are joining us from wherever or whenever you're joining us. It's so good to have you. Hey, we are, uh, we're in the dog days of summer a little bit. I guess maybe we're out of that. I don't know. Um, but uh, early August, and I uh, hope you guys are getting to soak up the last couple weeks of summer here before school starts. Um, I actually spent the week last week, I, I, for my, my side hustle, I coach high school cross country, and I spent the week at cross country camp in Hocking Hills, which probably to 99% of people sounds like a terrible thing. Um, but I love it. It was great to spend the week uh, with high school guys and girls just running and um, spending time together. Uh, Hocking Hills is a beautiful area if you've ever been there. Um, great place to get outside. Uh, so anyway, that's what I did last week. Hope you guys enjoyed your week and hope you enjoy our service. We're going to start here in just a second. Thanks so much for being here. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to LifeHouse. My name's Ryan. I'm on staff here at the church, and uh, I want to invite you guys to stand. We're going to start by singing this morning. But it couldn't fill me And man's empty praise And treasures that fade Grace, it will find me again. 
for singing with us. Go ahead and have a seat. Like I said, it's so good to see all of you here today. Uh, today's August 8th. Woo! August 8th. So we are in the dog days of summer a little bit. Um, August 8th, that means a few things. First of all, it means we're inching closer and closer to the start of school. So that's, uh, that's really bad news for some people and really good news for other people, right? Can I get a yeah, yeah, going to get a shout out. Uh, kids are ready to go back or maybe not, and parents are definitely ready to get them out. Um, but uh, so that's the first thing. Second thing is the Olympics are ending tonight. Closing ceremonies, it's always a little bit of a depressing thing. But I think, you know, we all have a, we all have a screen time problem in our world, and we definitely have one after the last two weeks. I don't know about you guys, but we're going to have a little bit of withdrawal probably coming up. That's been so fun to watch the Olympics. Um, the other thing is we, this song we just sang is called Graves into Gardens. How many of you have a garden at your house? You have gardens, some kind of plants, you know, peppers, tomatoes, like something. Yeah, yeah, a few of us do. That's awesome. Because now's the time where that stuff's producing. You're getting lots of fruit and veggies. Um, you know, I, I grew up, my grandma had a garden. I have great memories of, of going out to the garden with her. And I always thought, I want to have a garden. And uh, thus far in my life, that has not yet happened. It's like May turns to June and to July. And then here we are. And I never have a garden. Um, but it's good because um, I found out that my house is where plants come to die. So that would not work out well for me. But for some of you, it's that time of year. Um, and, you know, the other thing we've got going is uh, we've got a great service 
right here for you, uh, whether you're, you're new or you've been around for a while. And if you are new, uh, I just want you to know, we're so glad that you have decided to join us today. If it's your first or second time with us, we hope it's not your last time. And uh, if you're ready to connect with us, we're, we're ready to connect with you. We'd love to get you plugged in, get you information, get you connected. And if you want to do that, all you have to do is text LHNEW to 21000. Text LHNEW to 21000. Fill out a short form and we will send you a gift just as our way of saying thanks. And uh, we'll, have, we'll get you connected. You can also just stop at the Next Steps desk back in the lobby if you want to talk to a real person as well. But uh, so glad you're here. But like I said, we do have a great service. We've got a couple more songs. Um, we get the privilege of hearing from a, a, a video teaching pastor by the name of Joel Thomas today. And Lifehouse Church is a part of a, a larger network of churches uh, that's at, based in Atlanta called North Point. And Joel Thomas is on staff at North Point. And uh, we think what he's got to share today is going to be super, super helpful and practical for all of us. It's a series called Choose to Lose that he's going to be kicking off for us. We're going to have you out of here in about an hour or so, a little less. Um, but we're going to sing a song together next, and it's a song called Bigger Than I Thought. And there's a line in that song that says, So I throw all my cares before you, my doubts and fears don't scare you. And uh, if, we're, if we're honest, we don't have to be honest, that, that we all have worries, we all have doubts. Well, have fears about faith and life and God and everything in between. And we want you to know, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time here with us, this is a safe place for you this morning. It's a safe place for your worries, for anxiety. It's a safe place for, for doubts about God and fears about God. And maybe that's not something you've experienced before, maybe growing up at church, uh, but this is a safe place for that. And most importantly, God is big enough to handle anything that we throw at him. And so for the next few minutes, I just want to invite you guys to take your worries, take your fears and throw them at the feet of God. And, and let's see what he can do with those. So let's stand Let's continue singing together. But 
help my unbelief You understand me You understand me So help me reach Oh help me reach The faith that's underneath You understand me You understand me You understand me God understand me oh so I throw my cares before you my doubts and fears don't scare you you're bigger than I thought you were you're bigger than I thought so I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation you're bigger than I thought you Bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the Father's hands, I will rest in you. I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. Sing it out.
Thank you for your goodness. It's always running after us. Thank you for your love. It's your name we pray. Amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. And that's the truth, that, uh, that God's goodness is always, always, always running after each one of us. You know, whether we know it or not, whether we, whether we feel it or not, uh, even whether or not we believe, God is always chasing after us. I've seen this in my own life many times. 
I've seen this in the lives of, of many other people, uh, including some of my, my family members. And uh, just yesterday, I had the, the, uh, the privilege of going to Northeast Ohio, and I spent a few hours with my grandfather, who just turned 88, you know, young age of 88, and uh, got to spend, time, spend some time with him. Uh, in December, this past December, he lost his wife, my grandmother. Uh, they were married for 64 years. And um, obviously that is still very raw and very fresh and just different for him. And um, we were talking and he had tears in his eyes and he said, I thank God every day for 64 years of marriage to her. And he told me this and I knew this, that he said she didn't have a chance when she was a kid. The situation she grew up in was, uh, was rough to say the least, rough. And um, if you looked at her life and the hand that she was dealt, and sometimes life deals us crappy hands, and you think she would never have a chance. But you know what? God's goodness was chasing after my grandmother when she was a kid, and she felt that, and she turned, and she made the decision early on to follow Jesus. She married my grandfather, and she introduced him to Jesus, and together they followed him for 64 years. My grandfather is still following Jesus uh, to this day. And I, my faith is my own faith. I'm 37. My faith is my own faith. But it's safe to say I don't know where I would be without the foundation of faith that was passed on to me by my grandparents, by the decision they made 64 years ago to follow Jesus. And I'm so, so grateful for that. And one of the first things that they did when they decided to follow Jesus was to, to get involved with a local church, get, get around some other people, some other believers who shared those values that could, could spur one another on. And they've been doing that ever since, and Grandpa's probably watching this morning, so Grandpa, behave yourself. Um, but uh, they've been doing that, and, and that is one of the reasons, one of the ways that they have grown in their faith over the years, and that's been what's passed down to me. And we have an opportunity to do that here at LifeHouse, which is to just be around other people and spur one another on to follow Jesus and to grow spiritually and connect relationally. And the way we, uh, the way we get to do that around here is, is through groups, something we call groups. And it's just getting together with other believers to grow and to connect. And we are, we are right in the middle of a launch season. We're launching new groups. We are launching three-week groups so just meeting three times once a week um, and the registration for that closes in a week. We're gonna launch those in about a week and a half. There's a men's three-week group and a women's three-week group that'll meet right here at the church. And then after Labor Day, we're gonna launch something called nine-month groups, a little longer uh, term. And um, registration is open for those as well. We've got nine-month groups for married couples, men and women. And um, listen, if, if you've never been in a group before, if you've never taken that step to surround yourselves, to get in a circle with other believers, now is the perfect time to do that. So if you want more information on what groups are available and the dates and all of that, all you need to do right now is get out your phones and text CONNECT to 21000. Text CONNECT to 21000. You'll get a link. All the information, sign up is all there for you. You can also swing by the Next Steps desk if you're here in the building in the lobby and they'll, they'll hook you up. Um, but again, if it wasn't for my grandparents turning to follow Jesus and surrounding themselves with other people, who knows where I'd be right now. And a group, if you decide to do that, it'll benefit you, it sure will. But it will also have the opportunity to benefit 
your kids, your future kids, you know, your grandchildren, your future grandchildren, um, your decision, you're, you, you taking the courage to do something like this might have a ripple effect that you don't even know about right now. So we encourage you to do that, take that step. We're gonna continue on with the rest of our service now. I'm gonna pray for us one more time and then we're gonna keep rolling. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you. Um, thank you for my grandparents and the, the legacy that they have left for us, the way they followed you. And uh, I pray that you would uh, give us the courage to follow you. Um, thank you for your goodness that's, man, chasing us down all the time. Help us to, to know that's there. Help us to realize um, that you love us so much. And I pray that you give us the courage to turn to you and take steps in our faith. So be with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. been there. Anybody else? <laughs> well, today we're beginning a brand new series, and if this is your first time with us, I just want to say uh, we're, we're so glad to have you with us. My name's Joel. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at the church, and you came on a perfect Sunday. Not only are we be, beginning a new topic today, um, but today we're going to talk about something that I'm guessing you felt at some point along the way, and, um, and so I think it's going to be really relevant for you. And here's the good news is, is if you don't like what, what you hear or you don't like the, the things that we talk about, um, you can just skip it. You don't have to do anything with that, with any of this stuff. But if, if you're kind of a part of us and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, um, you're not so lucky. In fact, today, it's, it's actually a little more unfortunate than that. Um, and here's why. Because there are things we like to talk about in the Bible. And there's things we don't like to talk about, Right? There are things we like to talk about. We like the, the comeback stories. We like the stories of Joseph, of David and Goliath, of Zacchaeus. You know, we, we like those stories. And then there's stories, there's the things that we don't like in the Bible, the things that are really tough to do, like love your neighbor as yourself, written clearly by somebody who's never been to an HOA meeting in your neighborhood, right? <laughs> but there's a third category. You see, there's things we like and things we don't like, and then there's things we just wish we could skip, Right? We wish they weren't even in there. In fact, sometimes we pretend like they're not even in there. And if you're new to our church and somebody brought you today, the person who brought you is really wishing right now, I don't give any of those examples at this point. But guess what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, one of the skippers. 
We're going to talk about one of those things that we like to skip. And, and I don't really have a, a real pithy introduction for this. In fact, Jesus, when he said these words, when he talked about this idea, you know, he, he just kind of gathered a crowd and he jumped in. And among other things, this is what Jesus said. And I'm just warning you, it's a skipper. and We're just going to jump in. Are, are, are we ready? Is everybody all right? Okay, here we go. This is what Jesus said. He said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it which trying to save your life seems like a good idea, but he said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Somewhere in one of our auditoriums right now, it's a guy who just elbowed his wife and said, see, I told you we should have watched online today. <laughs> and, and some of you are, are hoping, you know, we're just getting this out of the way up front and then we're gonna get onto something that's, that's a little bit easier. It's a little bit more practical. It's a little bit more digestible. And there's a lot of reasons we like to skip this. I mean, if you're like me and you're like super competitive, you, you hate the idea of losing. In fact, you can't think of a reason to lose at anything ever. You just don't lose if, if you don't have to. If you're like me, you, 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 you would say that, that these, these statements are completely irrelevant. You don't believe in things like winning, winning isn't everything. Winning isn't everything. Like who, who came up with that? Like, I'm not even sure what that means. Or, or losing isn't the end of the world. You've heard these, right? Winning isn't everything, losing isn't the world. I mean, where did this come from? I'll tell you exactly where it came from. It was created by and for a group of people. Anybody? The people that needed it. It was the losers. You know, we, we, we created this thing, and, and some of you don't get this. Like, some of I get it. Some of us are more competitive than others. Marcus Buckingham, in his book, Strengths Finder, said, we can't all have the same strengths. Translation, somebody's got to lose. The reality is that some of us really love to win and we're geared for living. Some of you, you don't get this. You didn't, you didn't grow up this way, but this started early for me and for some of you. It started in maybe in peewee football or it started uh, when, when you were in little league or playing basketball or gymnastics or volleyball or band or something like that. I don't know. You were, maybe you're gunning for first chair. I don't know, but we, you, you like to win. I know exactly where it started for me. Under 10 youth soccer. I remember I was on the Navy blue team back then. We didn't have cool names, just colors. Remember that I was on the Navy blue team and we were going to play. We were undefeated and cause coming down to the end of the year and we're going to play the light blue team. So navy blue, light blue, battle of the blues. And this is the last game of the year. We're undefeated. Light blue's undefeated. We've got a balanced team. You know, we're, we're pretty well balanced, the team. We got several good players, but they have the superstar, Chad Mosier. Chad Mosier, you laugh like you know Chad Mosier. Does he have like, infamy down here too? Chad Mosier, I, I think, still holds the scoring record in the under 10 youth soccer league in my hometown. And the reality is Chad, of course, he was a lefty, and Chad Mosier could strike the ball like a man-child. And he was like known. He was known. And so it's the night before the big game. The game's going to be early Saturday morning. You remember that? Little kids' soccer up really early. So the game's really early Friday night in the middle of the night. My parents hear a commotion in my room. Me and my brother shared a room. I was on the top bunk. They hear a commotion. They hear all this noise. They hear things moving around. They hear some yelling. And so they both get out of bed and come to the threshold of my room. Now, they had to recount the story because I was dead asleep. And as they get to the threshold of the door, I sit up in the air and I yell, we're going to wail on light blue, which I'm not even sure people say that anymore. Like, remember when people used to say that? We're going to wail on light blue. So, so I, I, was, I was in my sleep. I was convinced we were going to win because we love winning and I love winning. Some of you, you love winning. You've always loved winning. And even if you're not super competitive, here's what I know about you. You don't like to lose. 
Nobody likes to lose. We all like to win. We want our kids to win. We want to win in business. We want to win in our finances. We want to win in our relationships. We like to win. Not only do we like to win, we like winners. I've never seen so many Florida State and Auburn fans come out of the woodworks over the last month. But we like winners. We like to jump on board with winners. I saw a disturbing, I read a disturbing blog last year. And some of you aren't going to believe this, but I read a blog last year by a sociologist who had done a study over a series of uh, political national elections. And one of his takeaways was that in voting, that there's a broad base of American voters who, not, who didn't vote based on who they thought would be the best leader. They voted based on who they thought would win the election. You see, as a nation, we love winning. We don't like to lose. We don't like to lose in military conflicts, not in politics, not in economics, not in the Olympics or any other icks that there is. We don't like losing as a nation. In fact, isn't this true? We've gotten rid of losing in our culture. We got real creative. We got rid of losing. We invented this right here, the win-win, because we don't want anybody to lose. We want to win-win in business. We want to win-win in our, with our kids. We want to win-win everywhere because we don't like to lose. In our kids' sports, I mean, anybody, anybody with me? We don't even keep score anymore because we can't have a loser. We want everybody to win, and everybody gets a trophy in the end. So, so when we bump into this idea in the Bible about losing, when we bump into this idea that for many of us is, is unpopular, it doesn't feel good, it feels negative, we feel like we just want to skip it. We don't really want to consider what does that mean for us. But isn't it true for those of us who are really trying to follow Jesus? And if you're brand new, you're just, you're just listening. You need to know that you're, sitter, you're sitting around people who are really trying to figure out what it is to be a Jesus follower in this life. And, then, and, and we're not perfect. But isn't it true for those of you who are trying to figure out what it is to follow the teachings of Jesus and the other New, New Testament writers? Isn't it true that sometimes... Following Jesus feels like choosing to lose. Isn't that true? Isn't it true, isn't it true that sometimes when, when you bump into a decision and you feel like, ugh, I mean, really? I mean, come on, Jesus, really? I mean, this just feels like losing. And for some of you, there's people around you who aren't following Jesus, and it feels like they're just getting ahead, doesn't it? They're not playing by the same set of morals and ethics, and so it feels like for them that they have a competitive advantage over you when it comes to winning the big deal or when it, or when it comes to, to getting the promotion. For some of you, it feels like they're getting ahead in their finances because they don't have a problem being creative with their taxes. It, it feels like for some of you that their kids are getting ahead because they don't mind their kids playing ball in the travel league on Sundays and missing church. And, and if you're in college, your, your sorority uh, sisters and your fraternity brothers, they somehow magically are using, they found the actual tests in a file in the house and they're using those to study while you sit in the library and it feels like they're getting ahead, doesn't it? You see, sometimes following Jesus feels like choosing to lose and if you're brand, if you're brand new here and, and you wouldn't call yourself a Jesus follower, isn't it true that this is part of your hangup? Maybe this is one of the things that is the reason why following Jesus never really made sense to you is because sometimes when, you, when you've heard what the Bible talks about, when you've heard the way Jesus followers are supposed to live their life, it just feels like choosing 
to lose. Now, here's the crazy thing. This is the really crazy thing. Is that from the very beginning with his earliest followers, Jesus was very upfront about this idea. He didn't hide it. It wasn't, it wasn't a mystery. In fact, Jesus was public about this idea. In fact, in, in these verses, um, he, he was telling a whole crowd of people about this idea of losing. But before he talked about this, he had a conversation with some of his closest followers. And Peter was among those followers, we know. And Peter, with some of the other followers, were having an important conversation with Jesus. They were just having a private conversation. And Jesus posed a really important question to them. The question was this, who do you think that I am? You see, Jesus knew this would be really important for what they were about to experience. And Jesus's question to them, they would find out would later be paramount in what they decided to do. And so Jesus asked, who do you think I am? And Peter stepped up in response. And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're divine. You're the promised one. You're the promised. You're the coming king. You're the one we've been waiting for. The king of Israel that was promised over a thousand years ago that would reign forever. You've come as the promised king. And all the disciples sat and waited. They watched to see how Jesus would respond. And when Jesus confirmed what they had all suspected, when he confirmed what Peter had said out loud, it changed everything. It changed the hope inside of them. They knew what was promised. They knew the prophecy. They knew what they were looking for. And they could not believe now was the time. And Jesus wanted to prepare them for what was ahead. And so he began to tell them about it. And this is what he said. He then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Almost as if this was normal. He, he didn't want to hide it with the disciples. He wanted them to know that this was what they were headed for. And Peter, Peter, he was struggling. This caught him off guard. And Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke Jesus. Now, I think Peter thought he was doing something great. I think Peter thought he was being courageous. This is Peter going, no, no, I'm going to fight for you. Are you kidding me? Be killed? Be rejected, suffer, die, no way. You're the Messiah. You win, we win, we don't lose. This can't be the way things end up. You see, Peter had a plan. Peter, like you and me, in his life had a plan. And as he saw life going forward, in no scenario of all the scenarios he could, had considered, in no scenario, did he ever consider this as a possibility. This is not the way he had envisioned things. You see, for, for Jesus' followers, what he was saying had implications. They had sort of become known as renegades. And Jesus, suffering and dying, had implications for their lives. And this is not what Peter thought he was signing up for. This felt like losing. And then, as Peter respectfully pulls Jesus aside, and begins to, begin, begins to tell him how things should really go. Then Jesus does something really interesting. Check this out. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, remember Peter pulled him aside, but Jesus turned almost as if to look and go, are you guys with him? Are you feeling the same thing he is? Because he knew they were, he, he, he knew that they were feeling the same thing. 
He looked at them. He looked at all of them. And this was a little painful, but he said, he looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And he said, get behind me, Satan, he said. He, he went on to say, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now this feels harsh to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, just human concerns. To which I say, of course Peter had concerns. Humanly, there was a lot at stake. And I would say Peter had legitimate concerns. They were, they were, as I said a moment ago, they were being known as outlaws. If Jesus was captured, if he were to suffer, if he were to die, what did that mean for them? You see, following Jesus at this point, the stakes just were raised in terms of following Jesus. And Peter had a lot of concerns. And isn't it true? Come on, come on, be honest. Isn't it true that's the way we feel sometimes? Isn't it true that you and I bump into choices and decisions in life sometimes? And when we envision the future, we envision things, we immediately have concerns. The truth is that for us, following the teachings of Jesus and the other New Testament writers raise some concerns, legitimate concerns for us. We're concerned about our reputation. We're, we're, we're concerned about the, the, the risk of rejection. We're concerned about making ends meet. We're concerned about a certain standard of living. We're concerned about future opportunities for us and for our kids. But notice what Jesus didn't say. You see, Jesus didn't say that Peter's concerns weren't legitimate. They simply weren't the concerns of God. I don't think Jesus was saying that God didn't care. I think he was just saying that God wasn't concerned about the things that were concerning Peter and the things that concern us sometimes. See, Jesus knew the concerns of God and what Jesus knew that the disciples didn't know, what they would eventually realize was that in order for them to win, Jesus had to lose. Jesus had to lose in order for them to win and what in the moment as Jesus was describing it felt like a total loss would eventually become an immeasurable gain for Jesus, for the disciples, for the whole world, for many of us in this room. And Jesus knew that that gain, that winning, would come first through losing. And Jesus saw this as a teachable moment, not just for his disciples. And so Jesus did something really interesting. A sermon came to mind. And so he called the crowd. This is what, it, this is what the Bible says. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples. So he got a whole bunch of all the people that were the onlookers. This wasn't just the people that were bought in. He brought everybody around and he launched into a new sermon. And this is what he said. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple, you ready for this? Must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, and you thought this sermon started out a little, little tough. This, is, this was Jesus' message to the masses, to the crowd. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus was saying, in order to be a follower of mine, it's going to come at a significant personal daily, in another translation, cost and decision to deny yourself and take up your cross. And here's the interesting thing about that, is Jesus hadn't even picked up a cross himself yet. I don't know exactly what the disciples were thinking, but here's what I do know. They knew what a cross was and they knew what it was for something, for someone to be crucified. And I don't think they were thinking about a piece of jewelry. 
And the reality was they knew and they were clear about what Jesus was saying. And I think, I think that that's why this, is, this was something that was so emphasized. Did you know that, that in, in Scripture, in, in the teaching of Scripture, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four historical accounts of Jesus' life, that there isn't anything more emphasized than this idea? This was included in all four of the historical accounts of Jesus' life, and Matthew and Luke recorded it twice. And even though it wasn't among the most popular, it was among the most emphasized. And Jesus was just being upfront. He was being clear. And on top of that, just, just as kind of icing or a cherry on top, he then says this. This was our, our verse we started with. He said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You know what Jesus knew? He knew for some of them, in order to follow him, they'd have to be willing to risk everything, to hold everything in open hand. Jesus knew for some of them, they would quite literally lose everything physically and literally in life in order to follow him. And that's exactly what happened. See, Jesus knew this was a big deal, but he knew in order to be one of his followers that you'd have to be willing to, to, to fight through the feeling of losing. Because sometimes following Jesus feels like losing. And I think beyond the, the, the fact that, that they, some of them might actually lose their lives, which we can't even imagine how this landed on them. Because in America, we don't, we don't really deal with this. It's not, really, it's not dangerous for us to follow Jesus like it, was, like it is in other parts of the world and like it was for some of them. But Jesus knew that they would come at significant personal loss. And Jesus was trying to communicate a principle, something that even if you're not a Jesus follower, something that you believe is true. And that's this, is that winning anything significant involves choosing to lose something else. Think about it for a minute. Winning anything significant involves choosing to lose something else. Just think about the Olympics for a minute. Every gold medal winner, every winner, chose along the way to lose something and lose maybe many times. They chose to, to give up, which I can't even imagine, the, 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 the white Oreo, vanilla Oreo before bedtime. They, they chose to give up uh, the sweets. They chose to give up lazy Saturdays. They chose to give up sleep. They lost a lot of things. They chose to lose a lot of things in order to win. In fact, the gold medal winners were probably the biggest losers before they started winning. Because winning anything significant involves choosing to lose something else. This is something your parents or somebody else tried to teach you as a kid. Remember when your parents used to tell you, hey, the more you study now, the more options you'll have later. And they were right, weren't they? See, you felt like a loser when all your friends were out playing and they're all out having a good time. But when you chose to stay home and study and you chose to make that investment, even though it felt like losing, later you won. You won the scholarship. You won the opportunity to go to your favorite school, to go to the place you wanted to, which opened other doors in your life. You see, this is, whether you're a Christian or not, you know this is true. In fact, in your adult life, we've all faced this, haven't we? We've all had to choose to lose something in order to gain something more significant. For some of you, it was losing out on a promotion because it involves a lot more travel 
that you weren't willing to give up that time with your family and you chose to miss out on that. For some of you, you lost the deal because you decided that your integrity and your reputation was more important. For some of you, you swallowed your pride and you decided in this instance, I'm gonna lose the argument. Even though I know I'm right, I'm gonna lose the argument to try to restore this relationship. You see, we know what it is to lose in order to gain something more significant. But here's what's true. is in the moment, at the moment of choice, the truth is, is the thing that we have to lose really feels like a loss, doesn't it? What makes this so difficult, what makes following Jesus so difficult, that is at the moment of choice, when we have to choose to follow, when we have to choose to, to, uh, to decide whether we're gonna do what Jesus said to do with our finances, what the New Testament writers said we should do in terms of our sexuality, what we should do in terms of our relationships, what we should do in terms of our relationship to authority. When we have to make those decisions, sometimes following Jesus, following the way of Jesus feels like losing. Last year, we felt this in a huge way in our family. And I'll just confess up front as a little bit of a preemptive strike, I don't actually have permission to tell this story, which is a little risky when you're trying to tell a story about your wife if you're a preacher. But, but last year, my wife made a significant decision to lose. And, and I guarantee at that moment, in the moments of that, I know as a matter of fact, and still at times, it feels like losing. You see, last year, my wife decided she was gonna give up her career in order to stay home with our family. She decided that after 10 years, 10 years in this organization, 10 years working on staff at the church, right after celebrating her 10-year anniversary, she decided that she was gonna give up her leadership at this church, her leadership opportunity in order to stay home with our kids. Now, for some of you, I mean, that's a big decision for anybody. And I'm not trying to make a comment on what I think is right about for your family. We just knew that this is what God was leading us to do. And for my wife, this felt like a huge loss. And here's why, I'm gonna tell you, here's why. Because after 10 years of gaining more opportunity and being promoted, here's what my wife's responsibility was. She was leading the preschool ministry, Wombaland, on all five of our campuses, which means she had the opportunity to influence and impact over 4,500 preschoolers and their families every single Sunday. And she gave that up to leverage her gifts for just one family, ours. You see, that felt like a significant loss. My wife is a tremendously gifted leader. Truth is, she's the best leader in our home. And what at that moment must have felt like a loss feels like even more of a loss now because that was before we decided to have a third child. Now, not only is she managing our home and chasing around a kindergarten and a first grader trying to keep up with their lives, but she's caring for a two-month-old in our home. And I guarantee you at times, maybe even last night in the middle of the night, it feels like a loss. In the midst of that decision... I guarantee you, if she had followed the feeling of losing, if she had decided based on what she was feeling in terms of losing, we would have decided something totally different. If we had decided based on what it was feeling like we were losing in our bank account, which was really the most emotional part for me, <laughs> we wouldn't have decided that. 
Because at the moment of choice, when faced with choosing to lose, it's really difficult sometimes. But we were sure this is what God was leading us to do as a family. And this is why I think Jesus was upfront about this. This is why I think Jesus was, was, was out in front and why I think the New Testament writers emphasized this so much, it's particularly in, in the historical accounts of his life, was because I think Jesus knew that if they, his disciples, if they allowed the feeling of losing to keep them from following now, that they would end up losing something far more significant later. If they were to allow themselves to be overcome and overwhelmed by the feeling of loss now, they would lose something far more significant later on. You see, here's the truth. We're gonna, we're gonna end in just a second. Everybody loses. You see, you can't get rid of losing. Everybody loses. That's not the question. The question is not, will you win or lose? Everybody loses. Here's the question. Here's the question I want us to wrestle with as we start this series. What will you choose to lose? At the moment of choice, when you're faced with the circumstances, when you're faced with the situation, what will you choose to lose? And if you choose that in a certain circumstance or a certain arena of life related to your finances or your relationships or your business or your sexuality, if you decide that what the New Testament teaches, what the Bible teaches, that the way of following Jesus isn't worth it because of what you'll lose, here's what you owe it to yourself to discover. You owe it to yourself to discover what you're choosing to lose. Because everybody loses something. That's just part of life. And we know that. We didn't even need a, we didn't even have a Bible story to tell us that. We knew that. But you, you, you owe it to yourself. You see, some of you are on the other side of things right now. And you're sitting here today and you're thinking back in life. And you're losing right now. And you wish you could go back, don't you? You wish you could go back and choose to lose something that you weren't willing to give up before to gain something you could be experiencing now. Isn't that true? Some of you are on the other side of things where you're faced with a choice right now. There's something that as we've been talking, that's come to mind for you. It is as we've been discussing this, as we looked at these verses, as I told that story, something comes to mind that you're in the midst of right now. And the choice to follow what you believe God wants you to do feels like losing, doesn't it? It feels like it's, it's the choice to give up something. Here's what I would tell you. In fact, if you're here today and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus, the same is true for you. Some of you, you haven't even decided to, follow, to cross the line of faith or to, to be in, and I get that because it, sometimes it feels like you're choosing to lose. I get that. Here's what I think your, your heavenly father would say to you. This is what I think Jesus would say to you. And I don't have a verse for this, but I think it's in this story. I think he would say, don't let the feeling of losing keep you from following me. Because if you do, you will eventually lose something far more significant later. If you choose to give in to your feeling of loss now, you'll miss out. You'll lose out on something far more significant later. The truth is you will lose something. You owe it to yourself to discover what you're choosing 
to lose. It's not, the question is not, will you win or lose? The question is, what will you choose to lose or what are you choosing to lose? Now, here's what you need to know is that Jesus, even Jesus, at the moment of choice, decided he was gonna struggle with this idea of losing. You remember the garden? Some of you remember the story. Jesus in the garden, before he was gonna be captured, he was trying to decide, be captured or escape. And what does he pray? He goes before his heavenly father and he says, basically, is there another way? There's gotta be another way. What I feel like I'm in for, what I feel like I'm headed for, feels like losing. And if you're in that place today, if you're at that moment of choice, when you run into that moment of choice, as we all do, I want you to remember, your Savior felt the very same thing. And I don't know what's going to happen in your finances. If you decide to operate in business in a way that, that uh, functions with integrity, and you don't go with the flow. I don't know what's gonna happen with your future opportunities for you or for your kids. If you decide to limit your involvement in certain activities to have a better, healthier pace as a family. I don't know how your boyfriend or girlfriend will react if you decide to stop sleeping with them. I don't know. I don't know what will happen in your future if you decide to move past that thing, to press through that thing that feels like losing, to follow Jesus. But here's what I do know. Your heavenly father knows about those things and he's not concerned. He cares and he's not concerned. He has a plan and it's different than your plan, I'm sure, because his concerns are different than your concerns. But if you'll choose to follow him in the midst of what feels like losing, even when you can't see how you can win later, the promise is, that if you'll choose to follow Jesus, even when it feels like losing now, that you'll gain something far more significant later. And that promise was made by someone who lost his life for you and for me. So here's the question as we start out. What will you choose to lose? As you're choosing to follow Jesus, what will you or what are you choosing to lose? Let's pray together. God, the truth is, is that for many of us, things like this, when we run it into the Bible, we want to skip it. Nobody likes to lose. None of us like to lose. I hate to lose. But God, I pray that you would help us, that you'd give us discernment, you'd give us wisdom to know what it is you're leading us to do pray for somebody in the room who feels this tension so incredibly today because they're in the midst of it right now. They're at the moment of choice. I pray that you wouldn't allow them to be overwhelmed by their feelings of the loss. And you'd allow them to see the greater picture. You'd allow them uh, the courage. You didn't equip them with the courage to trust you, even in the midst of what feels like a loss. God, thank you so much that when you saw our situation, when you saw what was the plight of the world, that you decided you would lose for us your very own son on a cross, that we might gain or find a new type and a better way of life, an eternal life 
We're grateful for that today. So God, I pray this week, as we consider this, as we think about it, as we talk about it, I pray that you would be in the midst of all those thoughts and conversations. As husband and wives drive out of the parking lot, they talk about this. They consider about this with their families. As coworkers talk about it, as leaders engage this week, I pray that you would put this on their hearts and that you would give them the wisdom and the courage to choose to lose the right things in life. I pray in your name, amen, amen. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll see you next Sunday for Choose to Lose Part 2. And yes, indeed, we will see you guys next week right here. We love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Great rest of your week. We'll see you next week. Homegrown alligator, see you later. Gotta hit the road. Gotta hit the road. Sun and change in the atmosphere, architecture unfamiliar. I could get used to this. Time flies by in the yellow and green. Stick around and you'll see what I mean. There's a mountain top that I'm dreaming of. If you need me, you know where I'll be. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like a someone. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like a someone. South of the equator, navigator, gotta hit the road, gotta hit the road. Deep sea diving round the clock, bikini bottoms, lager tops. I could get used to this. 